بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمد رسول کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا فورٹینتھ آف مے ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا ففٹینتھ So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 40. So verse 38. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will defend those who believe. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love any that is a traitor to faith or shows ingratitude. So here there's a report. So this narration is recorded by Sheikh Al-Hazmi in Al-Fadaj Ba'd Ash-Shidda Waddiq, Volume 5. And also in the work Golden Words by Abdul Malik Mujahid, page 243-4. So it mentions, once there was a famous thief named Abud, in the city of Mosul and he planned to rob his neighbor with his gang of thieves. So the person, the thief, he's called Abud. The city is the famous city of Mosul. And this man, this thief, was going to rob his neighbor. And what did the Prophet famously say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, that the sin against your neighbor is multiplied more than 10 times. The thieves climbed over the neighbor's wall and onto the roof and they started watching the movement of the household. Abud was waiting for the neighbor and his family to go to sleep so that he could rub them whilst they slept. As he looked down into the courtyard of his neighbor's old house, he saw many people sitting there learning and teaching and remembering Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abud waited the entire night but could not find an opportunity to carry out his plan. So the thieves have gone, they're waiting. And then in the courtyard, it was a large courtyard, there were people teaching and studying. He waited but they didn't finish so he, had, he couldn't go ahead with the theft. The following night, he made another attempt but saw the same thing happening in the courtyard. So he came the next night, waited, people still studying in the courtyard, all night passed, not successful. He kept trying for one full week, but never got the chance to climb down and steal anything. So imagine seven nights on the trot, he's thinking, what is going on? They study all night. The same scene every night, a spiritual gathering, with people busy remembering their Lord. On the eighth day, in frustration, Abud went to see his neighbor, who was a very devout Muslim, and he loved to help the poor and needy. The thief asked, Do you hold spiritual gatherings in your house every night? The neighbor was surprised, and he said, No, I've not held such a gathering in my house for a long time. The thief was confused and he confessed to the neighbor 
that he had planned to steal from him. <laughs> so when he asked, he goes, you know, do you do daras every night? Because I haven't done daras for a long time. So the thief, you know, he's thinking seven nights. And then he confessed. The neighbor then recited this verse. Verse 38. Truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defends those who believe. Truly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves not any treacherous ingrate. Abu, the infamous thief, he then left the neighbor's house in a state of bewilderment, looking like a man mentally deranged and muttering over and over. I saw the gathering several times, but he is denying it. How can this be? How can this be? So simply put, who were the ones gathering? So obviously, it probably the angels protecting either neighbor. And the thief, maybe that was an avenue for him to repent because he did testify I was going to commit theft. So look at the sheikh. This shows that he was very learned. When the neighbor said I was going to commit theft, what did he recite? Now think about that. Look at their connection to the Quran. People don't even know this is a verse. Inna allaha yudafi'u amanu. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will defend those who believe. So how did Allah defend this righteous man? He sent angels and put them into the courtyard to give the impression that they were doing daras every night. So, and then Allah then says, He does not love khawan al-kafur, the, the treacherous ingrate. I referring to the thief. Subhanallah. Verse 39. To those against whom war is made, permission is now given, i.e. to fight, because they have been oppressed. And verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most powerful for their aid. So now this is important to highlight. Several translators have failed to notice that yuqati luna in this verse is in the passive voice. Thus the translation is against whom war is made, not who take arms against the unbelievers, as Sayyid translates it. So one of the non-Muslims who translated the Quran, he mistranslates. He translates it to say, to those against whom war is made. But he translates by saying, who take arms against the unbelievers. The wrong is indicated, what is the oppression which necessitates the jihad, driven by persecution from their home for no other reason that they worship the one true God. This was the first occasion on which fighting in self-defense was permitted. So the verse is saying that you've drawn or you forced the hand of the Muslims, you've oppressed them and now the permission is given to engage with them. So what is this clearly in reference to? Self-defense. But why is that so important? Because it's not, we're not bloodthirsty. Allah Ta'ala never gives you the permission just to kill for the sake of killing. And there's a hadith. The hadith is in Nasai number 3087, Tirmidhi number 3171, Hassan, Ibn Majah, Hakim states Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim, Ahmad, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, etc. Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, 
when Rasulullah was driven out of Makkah, Abu Bakr thereupon said, We have our Prophet, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Truly, they are now doomed. Thereupon Allah the Almighty revealed this verse, I verse 39. Then Abu Bakr said, I know now that they will be fighting. Ibn Abbas added, This was the first verse to be revealed concerning fighting. So let's look at this. So this is a flawless report. So Rasulullah is forced to leave Makkah. They were trying to kill him. He's with Abu Bakr And Abu Bakr he realized the gravity of what's happened. Because we have our Prophet. And he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, meaning a disaster is going to happen. And he goes, they are doomed. Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. And what did Abu Bakr say? Now there's going to be fighting. <laughs> meaning jihad is going to take place. And he was right. <laughs> and then Ibn Abbas said, this was the first verse to be revealed. I concerning fighting. <laughs> so now there's a few other things mentioned here. The scholars have differed whether this was the first verse. So Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Idris Sahib Kandahlavi Rahmatullah in his Seerat al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa volume 2, page 19 to 21, he states, Ibn Abbas, Abu Huraira radiyallahu, Aisha. So we mentioned the Hadith of Ibn Abbas and the references. Abu Huraira's Hadith is recorded in Abdul Razak Ibn al-Mundir, Ad-Dur al-Mantul, volume 4, page 364. And Aisha's report is mentioned in Nasai and Hafiz Zurkani. They all stated that this was the first verse sanctioning jihad. So many of the illustrious family members of the Prophet and companions said this was the first verse. But they continued with verse 40 and verse 41. Then the Shaykh said, according to other scholars, the very first verse sanctioning jihad is Surah Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 190. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Wage war in the path of Allah against those who wage war against you. This is mentioned by Abu Al-Aliyah and Ibn Jadir in his tafsir. So some say Surah 2 verse 190 was the first verse of jihad. Imam Hakim says in Iqlil, the first verse endorsing jihad was Surah Tawbah, Surah 9 verse 111. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purchased from the believers their lives and properties in exchange for paradise. So there's three verses the scholars have differed over, which was the first verse to be revealed, which endorsed jihad. So it boils down to these three verses, i.e. the verse that we're going through, Surah 22 verse 39 onwards. Surah 2 verse 190 or Surah 9 verse 111. But the majority and the most authentic narrative is that this was the first verse to be revealed endorsing jihad. And also there's another report. So this is recorded in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Abbas radiyallahumma, he recited the end portion of verse 39. And verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most powerful for their aid. He explained. And this is what he did. <laughs> so now, look how interesting. They initially were targeting the Prophet to kill him with Abu Bakr. 
and who single-handedly protected the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ibn Abbas said, when Allah Ta'ala says that he will protect them, he goes, he did. <laughs> Meaning through his own might and power. Of course, Abu Bakr was with him. And there's another report. So this is recorded in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 1865. Imam Shakir in his states, Sahih, Ibn Katir's Tafsir. Hafiz ibn Jawzi in Zadul Masir 5-46. Abdullah ibn Abbas said, The polytheists of Makkah used to persecute the companions of Rasulullah And he would tell the companions, Be patient, for I have not been ordered to fight. That remained until he migrated. Then Allah the Almighty sent this verse, i.e. of Surah Hajj, and this was the first verse revealing uh, retaliation. So the Sahaba wanted to fight in Makkah. The Prophet goes, I haven't been given permission to fight. Be patient. Only after Hijrah ibn Abbas said they were given the permission to fight. So this shows that they wanted to, but they were prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 40. Those who have been expelled from their homes in defiance of right, for no cause except that they say our Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Did not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala check one set of people by means of another? They would surely have been pulled down. Sawami wa salawat and masajid in which the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commemorated in abundant measure. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will certainly aid those who aid his cause. For verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is full of strength, exalted in might, i.e. enable to enforce his will. So here in this long verse, Allah ta'ala mentions who have been, been given permission to engage in jihad. Those who have been expelled, i.e. the muhajirun, without right. And because they say our Lord is Allah. So now there's a report. So this narration is in Dhirmadi, number 3183. Sa'id ibn Jubair, he relates, when Rasulullah was driven out of Makkah, a man commented, they have driven out their Prophet. Thus, Allah Ta'ala revealed verse 39 and the beginning of verse 40. So we've gone to verse 39, but the beginning of verse 40, those who have been expelled from their homes in defiance of light, meaning the Prophet and the companions. So in actual fact, the other verse was also revealed due to what they did to the Prophet So now, there's a report. So this hadith is in Tirmidhi, number 3093, Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abu Musa radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down to me sallallahu alayhi wa two safe shelters for the benefit of my ummah. He then recited verse 33 of Surah Anfal. And the translation is, But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not going to send them a punishment whilst you sallallahu alayhi wa was amongst them. Nor was he going to send it whilst they asked forgiveness. Then the Prophet said, Hence, when I pass away, I will leave the seeking of forgiveness with them until the day of resurrection. 
So here simply put, the Prophet was saying that Allah has given two great protections to prevent punishing the people. One is the presence of the Prophet So now how foolish was the unbelieving Quraysh to expel the Prophet. One of the protections went. This is why Abu Bakr said they're doomed. And the second is seeking forgiveness. If you seek forgiveness, Allah won't punish. So this is in reference to Abu Bakr's statement. And just seeking forgiveness is a report in Imam Ahmad's Musnad Hakim Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. The Prophet said, The Lord the Most Exalted says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, By my might and majesty, I will keep forgiving them as long as they keep seeking forgiveness. Because shaitan says, I'm going to go flood out to destroy them. And Allah responded, If they keep seeking forgiveness, I will forgive them. So these are the two great shelters Allah has given, which he mentions in Surah 8, verse 33. So look at the foolishness of the unbelieving Quraysh. They were persecuting the Prophet, but as long as he was with them, they could not be punished. They exposed him, made him leave. So Abu Bakr goes, how foolish, because now there's going to be fighting. So note again, the, the ignorance of the unbelievers. And the verse then goes on to say, did not Allah Ta'ala check one set of people by means of another. Now what's interesting about this portion? In Surah 2 verse 251, the same thing is mentioned. But the context there is with regards to Dawood fight against the Philistines. To allow a righteous people to fight against a ferocious and mischief loving people was fully justified. So look how interesting. The same thing is mentioned in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 251. And what does it say? If Allah had not checked one set of people by means of another, in Surah Baqarah it mentions there will be corruption if Allah didn't help the righteous. Here, Allah mentions it, but what's the context in Surah Baqarah? The context is that the righteous people had to fight a mischief-loving people, and they were helped. But then the, it mentions, but here the justification is far greater. Why? The little Muslim community was not only fighting for its own existence against the Makkah Quraysh, but the very existence of the true faith in the one true God. So Allah Ta'ala has given you a context here. I helped Dawood kill Goliath, even though the odds were heavily against the Muslims. And he goes, I'm going to do the same here. But the justification is far greater here, which is, which is mentioned. Now just to mention that passage in Surah 2 verse 251. So in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 251, it mentions there. And the relevant part, and did not Allah check one set of people by means of another, the earth would have been corrupted. There's actually a report, and the hadith mentions this is in Tabarani in his Osad number 4080. Our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, due to the pious Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes trouble from 100 of his neighboring houses. Then he recited this portion, Surah 2 verse 251. And had we not checked one set of people by means of another, 
the earth would indeed have been corrupted. So this is a direct tafsir of the Prophet So how did he explain this holy verse? How does Allah Ta'ala check people with the righteous? And the Prophet said the presence of just one pious Muslim removes the trouble from his 100 neighboring homes. So look at how amazing. Allah Ta'ala protects the evildoers by means of a righteous person. And the Prophet said this is the commentary here. In fact, in other reports, it mentions Allah Ta'ala keeps punishment away due to the aged who pray, those who offer tahajjat, the grazing animals, the breastfeeding children. It mentions other categories. So Allah Ta'ala's grace is involved here. So question, if one righteous man protects a hundred neighboring families, what was Rasulullah protecting? <laughs> and they exposed him, they expelled him. So note, this also could apply here as well, where Allah Ta'ala says that, you know, what, you know what, what have you done by you know expelling my messenger? So the Lord said. Then it says in the verse, they would have surely have been pulled down sawami, bia, salawat, and masjids. So if Allah didn't intervene because these things would have been pulled down, so what are these things? So in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir, Ad-Dur al-Mantur, Tafsir Razi, Ibn Abbas, Radiyallahu anhu, and others, they recited this portion. Lahuddimat sawami. They would have surely have been pulled down sawami. Sawami means the small chambers used by monks. Sawami means the small temples or chambers used by monks. So who has been referred to when Allah says, Sawami would have been pulled down. It means the monks, you know, the monasteries, the small chambers they have. Then it says, Wabiya would have been pulled down. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Qatada and others recited Biya'un and they said, this is larger than the Sawami and accommodate more worshippers. The Christians also have these. So the so the Wabiya'un, these are larger than the, the where the monks are. But it's also, again, in reference to the Christians. So maybe it's the churches in the wilderness, Allah Ta'ala knows best. Then it says, وَصَلَوَاتٌ In Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Ibn Abbas's salawat means churches. So look how interesting. Allah Ta'ala says, If I had not intervened or checked a people by means of another, the monks' chambers would have been pulled down. The larger places of Christians' worship would have been pulled down. The churches would have been pulled down. And then Allah Ta'ala finally says, masajid, And the masjid, in which Allah Ta'ala's name is commemorated in abundant message. So now this is actually a place of the Christians. Allah Ta'ala has actually said, they remember me in abundance. <laughs> However, of course, it's the shirk which is involved. <laughs> so now, another point here. Hafiz ibn Kathir said, Rahmatullah in his tafsir. Some of the scholars have said, this is a sequence listing the smallest to the greatest because the masjids are more frequented by more worshippers who have the correct intention and way. So ibn Kathir said that it starts off with the smallest, the small chambers of the monks. It goes all the way up to masjids. So it starts with the smallest, it goes to the greatest. Why are masjids mentioned at the end? Because that is the best place to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But note, the Quran is highlighting that other people's places of worship also needs to be respected. And this is one of the points of jihad. Now think about that. How many people point that out? Is why do you do jihad? Or you have to land grab? Because no, we want to protect the churches. We want to protect the monks. We want to protect, you know, other people. And they look at you and think, where does it say that? Quran. We've left the Quran. Now just to uh, uh, yeah. mention that it's, it's Allah Deen, that's exactly what he did. Mashallah, Jerusalem, yeah. yeah. When uh, Jerusalem was taken by Salahuddin Ayyubi, he didn't touch the, the churches. He, why? Because, you know, obviously he's, he's rightly guided. You know, subhanAllah. Then the verse continues. Allah will certainly aid those who aid his cause. Now this is very important. Allah has promised something here. Allah will help those who aid his cause. And also, there's a similar passage in Surah 47, verse 7. In Surah 47, verse 7, Allah explicitly says again, O you who believe, if you aid Allah, he will aid you and plant your feet firmly. So what is this aid? And what is Allah saying? You, you help me, I will help you. So the scholars state that those who are entitled to this are those who are propagating the message and those who are sincerely doing jihad. Allah promises to help them. Now think about that. He will never break his promise. So who do you notice who have the strongest levels of iman? It's the people who aid the deen. If you do your personal worship, is that aiding the deen? No. When you aid the deen, it means you're helping, you're sharing knowledge, you're helping the Muslim community. Allah promises in this verse and in Surah 47 verse 7, He will help. And this is why I note the help of Allah is conditional here. Then it says, For verily Allah is full of strength, exalted in might, i.e. enabled to enforce His will. So now just to wrap up, how are these verses related to Hajj? So Lord, in the previous verses, Allah talked about Hajj in some detail. And now he's talking about the Hijrah and he's talking about permission is given to fight. And the response is that Hajj, what did the Prophet say? Whoever does not perform Hajj and he has the means and ability to do so, it does not matter whether he dies as a Jew or Christian. So Hajj is the combination of everything. And also, what did the Prophet say? Hajj is the jihad for the weak amongst my ummah. And it's the jihad of the females. This is a hadith in Nasai and also in Ahmad. So note, there's a direct link with Hajj, which is referring to jihad. So most appropriately, Allah starts talking about jihad and the permission and the history, why it was given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet said, do not wish to engage the enemy. But if you are forced to, then be steadfast. This is in Sayyid Muslim, so indicating we are not bloodthirsty. But however, if we are forced, then we will take appropriate action through the relevant authorities. So I'll decide the verse and we will conclude. إن الله يدافع عن الذين آمنوا إن الله لا يحب كل خوان كفور
اذن للذين يقاتلون بانهم ظلموا وان الله على نصرهم لقدير الذين اخرجوا من ديارهم بغير حق بغير حق الا يقولوا ربنا الله ولولا دفع الله الناس بعضهم ببعض لهدمت صوامع وبيع وصلوات ومساجد يذكر فيها اسم الله كثيرا ولا ينصرن الله من ينصره ان الله لقوي عزيز we pray to almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he makes the quran the bible hot we pray to almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he gives me any edits which i may have inadvertently or wala bihamdi rabbalahum bihamdika subhanallahi wa bihamdika astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka wa billahi min shururi anfusikum subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun salamu alayka mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr in insan lafi khusr bi amali wa amali salihah wa asbihi haqq wa asbihi sabr